Hey guys, it's me. I just wanted to say a quick thanks to everyone who's been providing feedback on the podcast, who's been sending me notes of support and uh, love. It means a lot. And I would love for you guys to head over, uh, leave a review, subscribe, do all those great things. But uh, more than that, share this with uh, those you think would find some value in it. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Superfans are not a new term. It's not a new way to describe a group of people, uh, but the way that they've shifted in society today from screaming, running after Elvis, to following Hanson around the world, uh, to now keeping up with the behind-the-scenes tour of Taylor Swift. Superfan and the evolution of that term has totally evolved uh, since we brought everybody online. And Kim Kaup, who is the co-founder of ZinePack, uh, tells us why this is so important to her, and she's really passionate about it because she co-founded a company that is all about super fandom. What we realized about super fans is at the end of the day, they really want to have and hold something. So again, a, a casual fan might be like, okay, you know, it's really cool to just have my digital ticket and I'll have it on my phone. And then after the show, it will disappear. But if someone's favorite artist in the whole wide world is, you know, Taylor Swift and they got front row seats for their birthday and they got a commemorative ticket that's made of metal that's etched with the night and the location and their seat number, maybe even their name, that's something that they're going to keep forever. And it's indicative of a memory of something that they were really, really excited about. So as we look at those super fans, we found that the tangible aspects of that really wanting to kind of not in the digital world, it's kind of like, you know, you scroll past it or you delete it from your phone or you don't open the app anymore. It can kind of be easily forgotten, but those physical keepsakes, it's, you know, why everybody keeps their diplomas or why everybody keeps their, um, you know, birth certificates or passports or these, these moments that people are like, I have to save this forever. Uh, these big kind of moments in people's lives. And so what we're really looking to do is saying, you know, it's really great to get that plastic lanyard and laminate for uh, a Paul McCartney show. But for a super fan, wouldn't it be more cool to get a hundred page, you know, all exclusive interactive coffee table book? Like, isn't that going to be more of a lean in experience as opposed to a laid back experience where how do we get people to lean in and get engaged and get excited and interact with the things that we're giving them? And so we've all been to those concerts that have VIP experiences. I have way too many posters to hang in my room. I'm no longer in high school and, uh, you know, putting those all over your apartment just doesn't work when you're an adult. So uh, artists are trying to get creative now. And so with these experiences, artists are doubling down on new ways and innovating with their fans uh, and the things that they can deliver. They're collaborating together. They're trying to reinvent uh, that engagement experience. And it's more than having a merch booth. It's more than buying a new CD or being able to say, this t-shirt is the only one you can get here. It's about creating an intimate relationship with those who have supported you as fans, uh, many of them from day one. And so whatever custom experience you want to deliver, Zine Pack has been that vehicle to empower these artists. 
What we're really seeing is that people are constantly wanting to innovate and constantly wanting to change and engage in different ways. So again, you know, it's not really engaging to do a t-shirt and a hat for, you know, your merch booth every single year or a t-shirt and hat for your VIP package every single year. Now we're doing really interactive things where we're making entire 60 page scrapbooks that people are selling in limited editions or uh, for ASAP Rocky, we made custom drinks and candy for him to sell. These sort of things that are really out of the ordinary and out of, you know, sort of thinking outside the box that people are like, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. So what we're seeing is artists are really taking a departure from the classic of, you know, well, that's what we did five years ago and really saying, how can I continue to innovate? How can I continue to top last year and make it bigger and better and cooler and more interesting? And as the title and the name of this podcast, Fake It Till You Make It, Kim has an interesting story about starting out. I won't spoil it, but, uh, Obviously, when, you know, seven years ago, she started the company with her co-founder, Brittany, uh, really trying to cut costs and thinking that you can do a lot of things yourself was probably something that uh, she looks back fondly on now because she's come and uh, come so far and learned from it. Uh, but one of the stories she told me was about her trying to do her taxes herself and then realizing why people get a lot paid a lot of money to do that for her. So she doesn't have that problem anymore. Uh, but she talks briefly and I'll let her tell the story here about always saying their office was under construction because they had no office and they were working out of their apartments in New York. Uh, but that is something that she kind of experienced firsthand when starting ZinePack. Yeah, I mean, there have been tons of moments that we look back on now and we're just like, wow, we were, you know, so crazy when we were first starting you know, we didn't have an office space. Brittany and I were working out of our various apartments in New York, but we wanted to seem very professional and we wanted to seem like we were bigger than we were and that we had all of this stuff going on. So when we would ask for meetings for people and people would say like, oh, we're happy to come to your office, you know, for the first year or two, we would tell people that our office was under construction. There's always construction in New York. So it's, it's definitely an excuse that kind of always works. We would just say, oh, our office is out of, you know, out, they're doing some work to it. So it doesn't really make sense to meet here. How about we just come to your place? So we never really had to tell people like, oh, we're in our pajamas working on our couch. You know, people thought we had, not only did we have an office, like we obviously had an office that was being <laughs> really worked on for a long time. And, you know, afterwards, you know, when we kind of admitted to our clients, like, yeah, by the way, we like never had an office during that time. They laugh and we laugh about it. But it's just one of those things that I always tell people, if you can try to act bigger than you are, and you can try to put on that facade, at least in the beginning, you yourself start to believe it. And you're like, yeah, like I am worthy of this meeting. But the kind of fake it till you make it is, is definitely something that I subscribe to. So let's rewind a bit. Before ZinePak, Kim worked at Condé Nast, one of the largest media companies and publishing arms in the world. She had no desire to start a company. Uh, she actually told me that she never had a lawn mowing conglomerate or a lemonade stand hustle. But when she met her co-founder, Brittany, who had worked at a record label previously, she knew that she would kick herself if she didn't give ZinePak a shot. And without any outside funding, they launched this concept of giving people something that they can't download or they couldn't download off iTunes 
or stream on Pandora. Now, this is before Spotify. This is before kind of streaming really took off as a, as the main means of consumption, and they wanted to give uh, the physical sales back a little leverage. So that meant getting the new Rihanna album and a behind-the-scenes look at its creation, along with stickers and other merch. And before going direct to artists, they actually launched the company, uh, getting their foot in the door with Walmart. Uh, and that meant 3,000 stores nationwide. Not bad. And even better, icing on the cake, not long after that, they were featured on Shark Tank, which is what Kim talks about here. It was a great way for us to be exposed to a, a whole new audience and to be exposed to consumers. At the end of the day, we are a B2B business. So we're not a B2C facing business. We don't, you know, sell peanut butter and people can go on our website and buy peanut butter. At the end of the day, you know, our customers are our clients, whether that's a music artist or a sports team or a brand. So it was an interesting thing to go on Shark Tank because most of the the businesses that go on that show are consumer facing businesses, but it was a great experience. And we've actually had, you know, several clients come through Shark Tank. Uh, just a couple months ago, a music manager saw us on Shark Tank while she was in the gym and wrote in and said, I can't believe I've never heard of you guys before. You have to be working with my artist. And we ended up doing all of their tour books on their last tour. So that's just an example of it. It's definitely the gift that keeps on giving because the show re-airs every, usually every six to eight weeks on CNBC. So it's not even like it aired once. It, it just keeps on going. Entrepreneurship is all about being uncomfortable. Anyone would tell you that. Finding your passion might mean pulling on a push to open door. Uh, I've done that many times. But the reason why I wanted Kim on the podcast is because she subscribes to a life of discomfort in a good way. Realizing that to truly fake it till you make it uh, you have to push your own boundaries and put yourself in a place of discomfort to truly grow. You get in a cold shower, you turn it hot. If you something is hard, you do the opposite. So it's not in our nature to put ourselves, whether physically, mentally, or emotionally, in uncomfortable situations. But I have found that the most growth has come for me from putting myself in those situations. So you know, if it's something where you don't like public speaking, you know, sign up for a, you know, improv class. Or if it's something where you know that you're not good at dealing with conflict, like you should volunteer to go in and have that tough meeting with a client. So I think just kind of always pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone has is really going to prepare you for entrepreneurship and just business in general. You know, even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, I think it's a great skill to not only have, but continue to practice, you know, for any field that you're going to go into. At the end of the day, you're also when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know, my my friend Helene just said this quote the other day on the Today Show, and it really resonated with me. Um, someone asked her, you know, what would you say about entrepreneurship and the best advice you ever got? And she said, the best advice I ever received was that to jump in, but the water is cold. So I just I love that saying, because it, it's so true. It's you're going to jump in no matter what, but the water is cold and you're always going to be in situations that you might feel a little uncomfortable or still have to be making it up as you go, but to still jump in anyways. And just like how I asked her to be on the podcast, whether you're switching careers or starting your own company, asking for advice or mentorship is the easiest way to learn from the best. It can be a quick coffee or Skype call, but much like the last bit of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, you also need to put yourself out there. 
we had a saying at my last role where uh, we would say, sometimes a no is just as good as yes. And what that meant was, you know, we're going to put ourselves out there. We're going to ask a question. And sometimes just knowing the real honest answer as opposed to an ignored email is the best way to find out um, some feedback on what you're doing. So uh, definitely put yourself out there. Definitely be open to meeting with as many people as possible and uh, listen to some more of Kim's feedback here. I always say that staying quiet never helps anything. So if you think that you want to go into marketing and you think you want to go into sales and you think you want to go into whatever field you want to go into, you know, jump on LinkedIn and reach out to some people who are in that field and say, I'm a student. I graduated, you know, two months ago. And I think that what you do is what I want to do, but I'd love to steal 15 minutes of your time to like ask you about your job. I think people don't realize one, how much other people love students and love one to help students and people recently graduated. So kind of extending that olive branch and saying, hey, I'm, I'm eager for information. Can you help provide it? People are really excited about opportunities like that. So don't stay quiet, whether it's asking, you know, your family friend or reaching out to a stranger on LinkedIn, or maybe an alumni that went to the school you went to, people are willing to help. All right, everyone. So I hope you enjoyed Kim's story and her advice for getting out there and crushing it. There's so much great content about Kim and ZinePack uh, from videos to articles. Uh, she's super active on Instagram. Going back to getting coffee with folks, she does this uh, tea time virtually over Instagram where she uh, shares it as well on LinkedIn and gives uh, people advice based on certain topics that are top of mind for her. So I definitely will leave her social media information uh, and contact info on the related channels below in the show notes. And I'll also put some more information about Zimpact there as well. And Kim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Everyone, I'll see you next time.